Welcome to the Gem Series, powered by Rocket Level. On this podcast, we empower entrepreneurs to succeed by setting big goals, executing like a pro, and having a fearless mindset. The Gem Series is all about investing in yourself. We're here to share the path to getting what you want out of life by sharing the stories of entrepreneurs who have done this themselves, providing thorough research from our team on what careers and habits are yielding the best results, and discussing the mindset it takes to overcome the obstacles that all future entrepreneurs will face. Investing in yourself starts with putting in the work every single day, and this podcast is here to help you do exactly that. My name is Blake Chapman. I'm the Vice President of the Ambassador Program here at Rocket Level, and I am thrilled to be your host for the Gem Series. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Gem Series. Today, I've got Rick Elmore, CEO of Simply Noted, on the podcast. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm stoked to have you here, man. And for those who don't know you, maybe we could just open up a little bit. Just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and you know your mission right now. Yeah, so um, like you said, uh, my name is Rick Elmore. I'm the owner and founder of Simply Noted. I have a pretty unique background. Um, kind of grew up as an athlete. Uh, went to University of Arizona on an athletic scholarship. Played under Mike Stoops in the early 2000s for about five years. Had a good, good career there. And uh, got to live out my childhood dream, played in the NFL for three years. And that's a whole story in itself, but it was an absolute fun, crazy, wild ride. Um, I, my, I got drafted to Green Bay. So right after they won the Super Bowl, so I was hanging out with Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews and, and all those guys. So that was fun. But um, also, uh, I got cut from that team, but then was picked up by the 49ers and almost won the Super Bowl my, my rookie year. So really crazy. A lot of cool stories about that. But um Eventually had to hang up the cleats and the shoulder pads like every athlete does. And I got into corporate medical device sales, um, had tons of success there. Basically everything that made me successful as an athlete, I transferred it over to being in the business world, hard work, passion, desire, perseverance, strength, grit, energy, you know, all the things, you know, the intangibles that you can take with you anywhere. Um, Rookie of the year, my first year, the next five years, I was a top 1% or top five sales rep in the company. But in 2017, and this is where the journey gets really crazy, um, I had an itch I could not scratch. You know, I knew I didn't want to be, you know, uh, in a corporate medical sales position my whole life. So I went back and did my MBA. Um, and about a year into my marketing class, you know, I had this aha moment. I was listening to my uh, marketing professor about three hours into a lecture, our classes were three and a half hours long, two of them a night. And um, he was saying like emails, like super low, 4%, direct mail, super low, you know, knocking doors, cold calling. And <laughs> he ends the lecture saying, hey guys, you know what works better now, if not better than ever, is a good old fashioned handwritten note. The mailboxes are empty. You know, Absolutely. we live in a digital era. Um, nobody's getting them anymore. 99.2% open rate. And I was like, man, I'm in sales. If I can get in front of my client 99.2% of the time, no, that's going to do something for my business. So yeah, I mean, there's so much to the story, but I mean, that's really what started and kicked off what I'm doing now. I'm the founder of the probably we the largest handwriting platform in the world. We have 400,000 uh, users on our, our website every single month. Um, we just got done building the world's only handwriting robot. Um, we have six pending patents on it. Um, it's really a game-changing product in our niche. Um, you know, multiples and millions of revenue. 
um, in our business. It's just been a really cool, you know, journey to say the least. No kidding. And thank you for (laughs) breaking that down because there's so many things that I, uh, I want to, I want to talk about. I was kind of thinking about it because when I was, I was doing a little research, I was like, is it weird having your physical stats out there on the internet? <laughs> oh yeah, Rick's like six foot five, I think. Or, I yeah. think. I said- <laughs> yeah. Um, you know what? Maybe not because I was always like growing up. I was playing sports, so like we always had like the roster with our height and our weight. And then when you get to high school, it's all about your speed and strength. So, you know, when you when I went to the NFL Combine, you want to talk about weird. Um, it gets really weird there. They, they literally, it's like a, a fashion show for athletes. Like they literally strip you down into your compression shorts and they walk you down like literally like a, like an aisle in the middle of all these coaches and, and, um, uh, what do you call them? The people that go out and recruit scouts, all these scouts. And they're like, they make you sit on a scale. They measure you. Like they measure your arms. They're like, Rick Elmore's is six, four and five eights, 262 pounds hand size, arm size, you know, torso. I mean, it's literally, I felt like a cow at like a meat auction, you know? So um, I hope you don't mind me. I was just like, I saw that and I was like, man, that, that is kind of interesting, but I yeah. it sounds like you probably get desensitized to it pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, cause you're like, Hey, it's part of the gig, man. You yeah. Know? You know, and I, I owe everything to all my success to being an athlete. I mean, it teaches you how to work as a team, you know, be coached hard, push through, never quit, compete. 100%. Um, I think the, I mean, the best thing you do for kids, I have a three and a five-year-old, is to get them in the sports. It teaches them the deal of failure, to overcome adversity. So I owe everything to my my athletic background, my football background, the University of Arizona. Um, it's been invaluable to my success as an adult. Of course, yeah. I mean, you know, working with athletes, especially in the sales field, I'm like, hey, it's, Obviously, it's not every every athlete, but a lot of athletes do yeah. that. It, they just have that mindset ingrained into them that they're like, yeah. hey, I know what it means to like suck perpetually until I'm like great, you know, and, yeah. and to get there and it doesn't eat away at you. Because and that's what, yeah, yeah. And I, what you just said, like, um, like the great ones don't quit. You know, they, the great ones don't quit when they're tired or when they're not good at something. Uh, the great ones are obsessed about it and they'll go through the suck and they'll stick with it until they get great. And I think um, that's something like you just said, it's really easy to kind of stand out because some people will, you know, there's, there's stages of success. Like when you're learning something, it's really awkward. Like you don't know what you're doing. Then you go through the mechanical stage. And when you get the mechanical, it's really, really awkward. Like, like you're thinking too much. Like, you know, my, my wife played softball and like, if you're mechanical swinging a bat, you're never going to, you're never going to be successful at doing it. But then out of, you get out of the, the mechanical stage, you go to the kind of like the confidence stage. And then when you get through the confidence stage, that's where all your success happens. But it takes time. I mean, the 10,000 hour rule is a real thing. It takes years. And most people can't even get through a couple of weeks. But if you can get through it and stick with it, you know, it comes. It just takes time. No, you're totally right. You know, uh, and so growing up, I think I heard you were in California. Is that right? Yep. And was that kind of the mission, uh, your first mission that you found yourself in it when you're young, you're like, I want to go to the NFL and, and go that road or, or what? I don't know. Not that a kid is just completely thinking about like your entire life's journey when you're a kid, but I was, uh, yeah. What, what was, what was life like then? You know, I had very lucky. I had very supportive parents. Um, kind of had a, I mean, everybody has a childhood tra- tragedy, 
But uh, my dad passed away when I was super young. And I think that like lit a fire in me that's just impossible to go out. Yeah. Um, I've always had like a competitive edge. Didn't matter what I was doing. I played every sport growing up. I, I skateboarded, um, surfed. I mean, I wanted to, you know, do everything and be the best at it. I was not the best at it, you know, but it didn't mean that I wasn't going to try to be the best at it. And of course. It, it helped me just, you know, get better over time and, and stand out over time. But um, yeah, I was very lucky. You know, I, I come from very humble beginnings. You know, I would say lower middle class family. Stepdad was a football coach and a contractor. My mom was a medical biller. Um, but I mean, I, I felt like the richest family in the world because my parents literally supported us through everything. Unconditional love. Always had our backs. Was always at everything. And I think in life that itself, you know, can be a, a huge, a huge, you know, benefit or. A positive force in your life because I always knew no matter what my parents had my back and that's extremely important it's so crucial because I you know you grow up without that and you don't know how to accept support either you know yeah like you don't ever learn that and uh and and it's such a gift I feel the same way whenever I talk about my parents too I'm like beyond blessed to be able to learn how to like accept help uh you know accept uh accept inspiration any of that stuff so I yeah. think that's, uh, that's incredibly powerful. And, yes. you know, whenever you're talking about going to Stryker, it kind of, yeah, I was, I was just thinking and I was like, man, I bet you killed it over there. Like I can just imagine you going over there and, uh, and, and I have heard some of the stats, but I was like, I can't think of like a better, when I think of an athlete, I think of an athlete being able to transition to like a sales role and just absolutely annihilate it. Um, but I wanted to hear from you where was, yeah. How was your, your head at that time when you're making that transition from the sports world into, yeah, what were you kind of thinking about? I mean, I think it, it wasn't very good because what made me successful in the, in my past life was literally killing like quarterbacks, you know, yeah. very physical hitting, tackling. And I used to get, you know, paid to be violent and physical. And when yeah. you get into the business world, you know, you can't, I mean, you have to flip it like completely around. You got to be successful through strategy, your words, politics, like, and that takes a while to learn. I would say my first two years in the corporate world, you know, on paper, they may look successful, but I was struggling. Um, I had, the only reason I was being successful because I was just working, you know, instead of a 40 hour week, I would put in 80 hour weeks. You know, if I wasn't, I'd be doing stuff every Saturday and Sunday, I'd be hanging out with my manager. I'd be watching YouTube videos, I would be asking if like I can go shadow somebody who's been complete like you know 10 years in their career what made them successful. I nothing was really clicking. The only thing that was working was activity cuz activity like equals results over time. And I a lot of my success, you know, came from that early on, but my my success really didn't start coming really until my second medical sales job, um like my years 3 through 6, 3 4 5 and 6. Um, when I had that confidence. So I got through that really awkward mechanical stage. I started being able to connect the dots, started to really understand what, how the business world functioned. You know, it wasn't just about effort. It was about strategy. It was about being likable, building trust, you know, building relationships and having a good product, having a good product market fit, you know, being available. I mean, there's tons of reasons you'll be successful in business, but it took me a while to figure it out. And that's what I've honed over the years. It's like, you're going to become successful over time. And over time, you're never going to stop learning. Like, that's why I went back into my MBA. Like, I wanted to learn yep. something new, right? Now, 
I'm in a, a business that I never thought I'd be doing. You know, I'm a sales and sales guy with an athletic background, but I have a robotic software and industrial automation company with zero experience, you know, and but I put myself in those situations to grow. You grow through what you go through. So um, I think, you know, if anybody listening to this message, you know, you got to constantly live outside your comfort zone. I know it's it's cheesy and you hear it all the time, but it's so true. And if you're going home every single day in your comfort zone, you're just not going to grow. And your, your ceiling is going to be so low when it can be so high. No, 100%, you know, and I think that, yeah, I, I, I always wonder about that because sometimes I'm like, I think that something that can get in the way of people finding their success is being like, yeah, they're, they go from, it's almost like the fear of your hands getting soft or something like that going into this work. Cause you don't understand that, like what was like this physical uh, violence that you had to take out on other people. It turns into something that's like equal or more high pressure scenarios, but you, and, and opportunity to like win and lose but in just a different, a totally different realm, you know, and it can yeah. grow you in so many different directions. So you started, I, I think that's, that's, uh, that's something that I always hear too, is like, if you have a good person in your corner to kind of like shadow and, and follow along, it, it, it makes all the difference in any career that you're going into. So in those three to six years where you like, were there people that you've, you latched onto that were mentoring you? And then what was your, it sounds well, actually, I don't want to project anything, but it sounds like maybe usually I find whenever I talk to entrepreneurs, there's a little bit of a disenchantment with the corporate experience <laughs> at a certain phase, you know? Um, so maybe yeah, that. it's true. I mean, that's one of the main reasons I got out of corporate America. I mean, I was having tons of success, making good money. You know, you get the golden handcuffs. Um, but I saw where like all the managers and upper like brass, you know, C-level, you know, guys were at. And all of them were divorced or, you know, estranged from their families or never home. And I wanted to be like a dad that could be around. Um, my parents were around everything, every practice, every game. And I saw like my my success was just going to go this ladder and I was going to have to travel all the time. And I was like, why would I do that? Like, I want to be with my kids. I want to be with my wife. You know, I've been with my wife for almost 17 years. Um, you know, it's I didn't want to sacrifice that. Plus, you know, like... <sighs> I think entrepreneurs, like, I think they're born, but you can also become an entrepreneur over time. But I, I wanted to prove that I could do it. I wanted to be successful life after sport. And I didn't want to be known for the guy who was a football player. Like, totally. And then I didn't want to be known for the guy who could just did what everybody else did. And my success, you know, came off was like a byproduct of somebody else. So taking a chance on entrepreneurship, um, you know, was it back in 2017? like 2018 uh it was much more than building a business it was much more than it than making money um i wanted to prove to myself that i could do it i, I thought the idea that we had at the time um was an absolute amazing idea because there just was nobody doing it um you know just a really cool tangible personal sales engagement tool totally. um and just wanted to run with it you know we didn't have kids at the time we were my wife was pregnant. So I was like, if there was a time to start a business, it would be now, you know, I was like 29 years old and uh, take the risk now versus when we have eight, nine and 10 year olds, you know, and we're doing sports and everything. So yeah. Um, yeah. Corporate America is not for everybody. Not saying I would never go back, um, you know, but right now I'm so focused on simply noted where we're at the vision, you know, the direction we're going. Um, I'm excited about what we're doing here. And what was the timeline like for you? You know, like, cause 
is this something, an idea that had been marinating for a while, like for a couple of years, or did you just reach a point where you're like, Hey, I well, think I found gold here and I'm going to go for it. I'd love to know how you, yeah, how, well, how you make it happen, yeah. You know? that's why I went back into my MBA. I knew I wanted to do something else. Um, and I think in order to find like your passions in life, you got to put yourself in new situations. Like I, I hated school. I just never was a good person at school. I, I don't know if I have ADD. I've been tested like five times and I always, they, they always say I don't, but like, I can't sit in the class for that long. Like I just really? want to be out moving, you know? Yeah. And, um, that's what, I mean, it took me literally a full year of my MBA and to just be in a class one night at like 10 o'clock and just hear this guy say something. And it resonated with me. I was just like, that makes total sense. Like I'm in business, I'm in sales, like it's customer service, it's relationships. There has to be somebody out there doing this. So I jump on Google, like, oh, someone's doing this in the wedding industry, but that's the absolute worst industry to be in. Anybody who's been married knows it's bridezillas. They change the guest list all the time. They're stressed out. It's false starts nonstop. Plus they're one-time customers. Budgets are tight. I was just like, in this company at the time, they got a million dollars to try to break into the, the bridal market for wedding invitations. I was just like, you're not doing too many of the, yeah, they're a bunch of one-time customers. I was like, this is a terrible business. Like, why not go use this tool? And this is, and I'll tell you where the aha, like entrepreneurial seizure moment was, but like, why wouldn't you use this tool to try to go set more relationships or grow your business or, um, you know, use it as like a booking more appointments, you know, attract new clients, retain current clients. So the aha moment was after we had that idea or I had that idea, there was another classmate of mine, you know, we talked about doing this uh, together, but he kind of faded off like within a week. Yeah. But um, happens. we bought it. Yeah, because it's just time. It's so yeah. much time and energy. But uh Got a basically a, a, a pen plotter from China. It was like a $200 pen plotter from China, which is just a three axis machine that uses plugins. And I wanted to test it. I wanted to sit, like, I wanted to send it to clients and see what their you know, response rate was. So we got this really bad plotter. I had no idea what I was doing. It took me like three or four weeks just to figure out how to turn it on and build it and get it just even move. But um, it took, Took my family, everybody, my wife, my parents, like friends, like it was no paper feed. So you had to hand load it, press a button. Hopefully it would write. Yeah. It took about a month and we wrote 500 handwritten notes with this, this um, pen plotter. And I sent them out to some doctors in my territory I never worked with. You know, I had, I had Arizona and New Mexico territory. So there was tons. I had like 8,000 potential clients and, my, and I had yeah. like 400 clients. And the response rate was just amazing. Excuse me. These doctors would get these notes from me and like they would call me almost like laughing, like, Rick, like, this is really cool. Like, no rep does this. Like, thanks for sending me this handwritten note. Let's like book a lunch and let's yeah. talk about this. Like, and I was knocking doors like, hey, oh, excuse cool. me, Dr. Smith, can I book a lunch with you? Yeah. And now I have doctors calling me. So well, I can't. So, music like, in my ears. <laughs> I know in sales, like this should just be making you so excited. But, um, but yeah, these doctors from the 500 piece mailer, I got like 28 doctors to buy. It was $280,000 in new, new client sales on a $50,000 a month, $50,000 a month quota, 28 grand in commission. And that's like when the seizure went off. I was just like, and every entrepreneur has that entrepreneurial seizure moment where like adrenaline goes excitement. Right. And I was like, this is it. I'm building a company. 
And then, you know, fast forward five years, lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of sleepless nights and <laughs> lots yeah. of hardships. You know, we are where we are today, but, you know, I, I contest this to having a great product, you know, a, a product that solves a real problem, a great team. I mean, our team is like a family here. Um, everyone's been here for two or three years or more. Um, so we don't high, have high turnover. Um, you know, it's growing every month. You know, there's a lot of when you're building, when you're working with robots and software, there's tons of problems. Of course. But um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The, just the personal growth that's come through entrepreneurship in the last five years, I couldn't match it in a 40-year corporate career. Couldn't. Um, so I'm very thankful for this journey so far. I mean, and can I just say, like, just I think the creative brain and, and the creativity in my own brain is already, like, I have so many visuals of this, like, <laughs> this laboratory of robots writing letters, you know, and, and just sending them off. I, I don't know. I just think it's such an exciting business too, just in, in concept that like, I, I think it makes perfect sense. And it's, uh, it's incredible that, uh, that you've, you've taken the time to like fine tune things. And I've, I've heard a little bit about like, you're like, I learned what kerning was, uh, kerning, <laughs> kerning. Yeah, no idea what that, yeah, nobody has any idea what that is unless you're in this world. Um, yeah, ligature but, styles, kerning, randomization, offset, jitter. Yeah, all these font terminology metrics. <laughs> we cool. use we use machine learning. We don't use fonts, but I mean that's a whole different conversation. But oh, totally, that's, that's why we're different. Um, that pen plotter uses a font. We use machine. We actually built our own handwriting engine that has machine learning, so it actually knows what it's writing. So how it connects? Yeah, it's it's really interesting. That is that is so interesting. So tell me about like. Because obviously, when you first tried this out with the pin plotter, and you know it took a while to put it all together, and you got it from China, that that had the pitch of trying to. You're like, we'll book a meeting, and you know, and you had a, another objective. But tell me about when you first started. I guess going after maybe clients to use this as a service. Like, when did you get a little traction, and what was that? What was that? Well, we're completely customer funded. So we don't have no loans, no debt, no investors. I was very, very um, adamant about making sure that happened because you don't, if you have to go into debt to start a business, you shouldn't start a business. You're already starting behind the eight ball. I mean, like 70% of businesses fail within five years. Why are you going to put yourself already, you know, behind, you know, the race? But, you know, with my sales experience, you know, we had to sell every single day to, to survive. Um, if we didn't, if we didn't sell and collect money, we didn't reinvest the money because we just, we wouldn't, I wouldn't take out a loan. I wouldn't like, yeah. I wanted to prove this, that I can do this with, you know, customer funded. So how I, how I started this in the beginning, I got a 10,000 zero, uh, 0% interest credit card from like Chase Bank. Like they'll cut anybody, you know, credit card for that. And I would just put stuff on that and pay it off, put stuff on that and pay it off. You know, and that's how I funded my business. And I mean, it's gotten a lot bigger over time and, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very adamant about building a business, you know, debt-free, investor-free. Because when you go into debt, you start making more desperate decisions. And then when you go into invest, like an investor, you know, the direction of your company, you know, it's all about making profit and making money and not what's necessarily best for the long-term health for your, yeah. your business or the product for your clients. So um, not to say that this business won't need an investor in the future to reach its full potential because it is very capital-heavy. Um, I mean, we have multiple millions of dollars just in capital equipment in our warehouse. And that's not, you know, R&D, you know, that's not, you know, the website that we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on, you know, so um, 
in order for us to go to our full potential, we may eventually have to bring on a partner. But right now, I'm, I'm trying to go as far as possible without bringing bringing on some outside help. Yeah, I mean, I align with that completely. Um, you know, being bootstrapped, it's just, well, <laughs> you can't help but see the other side of that, too, which is like, you know, if you take in all this money, it's like, it's not... <laughs> Well, well, the thing is, is when you do that, you start wrong. You just start throwing money at marketing. You start hiring too many people, like you're operating in the red every single month, Um, you know, versus when you're bootstrapping, you're, you're trying to think about how you can stretch the value of every dollar. So we put tons and tons of effort into our SEO, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. why we drive so many users to our platform every single month. And that's evergreen. It happens every single month. It's not an ad where you're paying for one click for X amount of dollars where you're never going to get that click back. So, you know, we do a tons of, you know, podcasts. We do tons of um, uh, events. You know, we go to trade shows and meet new people. You know, you're making investments with your money that's going to last for months, if not years, versus, hey, give me a million dollars. I'm going to go hire 10 sales reps. We're going to cold call and throw a ton of money at marketing. Right. And cross our fingers and hope it works. Like yeah. if that's your business plan, I'm telling you, don't even start. Like you're you're already you're gonna be a part of that statistic, you know. So start, start low. You know, I call it the bullets and cannonball metric. It's I think it's Jim Collins or Tim Collins, it's the book Good to Great. But they talk about, you mm-hmm. know, how to mitigate risk over time or mitigate risk when in like in making investments. It's like you're on a pirate ship and think you have one cannonball. And you're in a fight for your life and you got to make sure that cannonball is going to sink that other ship and you only get one shot. So what are you going to do? You're going to make sure that when you fire that cannon, you're going to do test shot, test shot, test shot. When it's perfect, you're going to fire that cannonball. And that's what we've been doing with our cash. So when we make an investment, we test and, and evaluate, test and evaluate, test and evaluate. And then when we feel confident that it's going to be a good investment, we shoot off that cannonball. And that's what you got to do as a, as a, self-funded bootstrap startup. I'm so glad you brought that that up. I haven't read that book in a long time. And I that, I forgot about that quote, but that, I remember that really resonating with me because yeah, I I can't tell. I mean, I've I've done it myself where I, we've been like, all right, let's go all in too, too fast or something like that. Because I think, you know, whenever you are, it's, it's definitely something to be cautious of as a, like an entrepreneur because there's this natural like quick start, uh, kind of want to re- get ready to go, but you kind of, you get burned a, a couple of times, you end up burning, yeah. you know? Yeah. Stop listening to these guru, you know, social media influencers. It's all, it's all a scam. These people are like, Oh, get rich in six months or, Oh, it only took me one year. Have you seen no. videos on like TikTok where people are like, what do you do? And then they're, uh, <laughs> and then the guys are like, Oh yeah, I make uh 3 million a month. Um, <laughs> and basically, and, and it's like, all these people and then you go and they're like check out my course and i don't know it's kind of funny how i don't know why that's proliferating so much right now yeah i just think anybody i mean i would take you know i would take advice or try to learn from anybody i think um the ones that are great at what they're doing they learn from others so if like you're young in a sport you pay attention to what the great ones do but the way you're going to do it, it's going to be completely different. You know, just kind of pick pieces that work for you and connect the dots that work best for you. But I wouldn't believe anybody, you know, was an overnight success. In most cases, like 95% of the time, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. It really does. I, I always tell people, I'm like, my greatest superpower is being willing to suck 
It doesn't mean I like to, but I'm willing to for as long as I have to, to get there. You know, if I think it's something that's worthwhile. Um, Yeah. Because like, I don't know, you got to be patient. You have to be patient and have willpower to be able to do anything. Because what you're doing is not an easy thing. You know, it's like, it's just not. And uh, there's no, there's no real shortcut to be able to get there. Um, Yeah. I, uh, you know, kind of thinking about that. Tell me, like, what's your relationship with failure been over the years and how do you typically navigate that? So a number of you have probably seen the words rocket level (laughs) thrown around a little bit here and there. And I wanted to take a moment just to explain what that is. So the gym series comes from rocket level, uh, who is somebody that I work with directly. And Rocket Level is a marketing technology company that specializes in meeting the unique needs of small and medium-sized businesses. So over the years, through strategic collaborations with national brands, franchise groups, and local partners, Rocket Level has become a trusted ally for SMBs operating in the market. And right now, Rocket Level's primary focus is to provide a comprehensive range of marketing solutions for SMBs including website development, SEO, paid ads, email marketing, social media management, and just about anything you can think of. By offering a done-for-you approach, Rocket Level takes care of all aspects of digital marketing, allowing SMBs to focus on their core business operations. I know that everybody talks about this all the time. It's so hard to focus on the fulfillment side of things and been an absolute honor getting to partner with Rocket Level throughout the years and be able to see them provide a solution for people that maybe don't don't have the talent right now, maybe don't have the time and maybe don't have the playbook or the tools available. It truly is buttoned up in such a way that you can give somebody your high level objectives and get this stuff knocked out. So if you're curious, you should definitely, definitely give us a shout. Well, when I was younger, I hated it, um, was afraid of it, didn't want to fail. Um, failure, the possibility of failing is what kind of like motivated me. But you quickly find out um, when you're running a business, when you're older, like the only way that you can get better is to fail off, fail early and fail often. Don't, you know, push it out five years just because you are afraid to fail. Um, that's going back to what we were talking about earlier is kind of making little small test shots, make a test, you know, adjust, test, adjust, test, adjust. If you're not constantly doing that, um, you're going to, you're going to have a catastrophic failure in the end because you weren't willing to make those small little failures in the beginning. So you can adjust to prevent it. 100%. Yeah. And, and I think I even saw a quote that you threw out there one time and I might be not, I might be butchering it, but there's something to the effect of, do you really want, like, why wouldn't you? at least try to keep failing rather than, you know, do something that's scarier, which is realize your full potential. And that's me a lot. And I was like, Oh, can you imagine waking up one day and being like, well, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. That's Yeah. I couldn't do that. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are like that. They're afraid of being stagnant or complacent or just kind of sticking where they're at. Um, I think, you know, we live in a, a pretty phenomenal like part of the world or time of the world with all this technology, things that are changing so often. There's just so many possibilities or opportunities. So it's never been easier to be successful. You have all these tools that are free within your hands. And it's just it takes a little bit of creativity, a little bit of hard work, a little bit of persistence, you know, a little right. bit of grit. Right. And then it happens over time. It's just, you know, a lot of people don't want to go through the hurt because the hurt does hurt <laughs> in the early days. It really does, man. And yeah. 
sometimes it's crazy because I was like, oh, I kind of, I found my rhythm as somebody that could be an asset to uh, whatever my job was. You find your rhythm and things are great. And then they start, what happens is you start realizing you have to lead other people and that's a whole yeah. other thing. So how, how did you kind of adjust to, um, yeah, growing a team and how do you keep them happy? I mean, you said two to, they've been there for a while. Your, your turnover rate is like, you know, it's super low right now. And uh, what's mm -hmm. tips on that kind of stuff? I, I grew up on a team, so I was always used to being on a team. Um, my success was everyone's success and vice versa. I would never have been successful without having great teammates. They didn't do their job. I couldn't do my job. So, um, you know, being on a team has just always become very natural to me. I think, you know, what helps teams stick together is being able to be understanding, uh, be patient, be there for each other when people need help, help each other out. It's not always just about hitting the goal, even though you should still be focused on achieving that goal. Um, you got to be flexible and making sure that you know everybody's going to get across that finishing line together, not just one person at a time. So if you go by yourself, you may go faster, but you know if you want to go a lot further, you have to go together. So and to go together, you have to stay together, take care of each other, help yeah. each other grow and help each other, you know, excel. And that may slow you down the journey a little bit, but you're going to go a lot further together. So does that sports, uh, you know, background sort of, you know, apply to the culture of the company at all? I mean, do you guys refer yeah, to... Yeah, we're all athletes. <laughs> we're all athletes here. Yeah, it's just, you, I get it. You get it or you don't. And yeah. um, in a startup environment, you have to make sure the right people are in the right seats. Um, it's a great book. I forget his name. It's it's Traction. It's the uh, forget who it is, but that's one of the major things about when you're in a startup. Like you gotta, you know, you hire. What is it? You gotta hire fast, fire fast. I figure what it is. But you gotta make sure the right people are in the right seats. You know, and for me, I have to be around like-minded, hardworking, committed people. And uh, a lot of those attributes are found in athletes. Yeah, no, it's true. It seems like uh, I, I've experienced it firsthand. You know, there's just uh, I, I I've seen I've seen a lot of athletes come through the team, and I'm, I've always been like <laughs> just super pleased with how everybody's done, and they bring. Yeah. It just I don't know. It's just you kind of need, especially I don't know. It feels like especially in sales, kind of you know. Yeah. It just takes. There's a lot of aspects of the job that I think connect with. You know. This yeah, mentality does. I think sales isn't everything. It doesn't matter if you're in sales or in marketing or in your relationship. You have to sell. Like you have to sell your wife what you want to have for dinner or your kids. You got to sell them to go brush your teeth, right? So it's a basic human skill we all have to develop. It's just some people do it for a profession. Have you seen your kids start to sell you? <laughs> yeah, I got. I got my my son just came to visit me. He's right here looking at me in my window, and yeah, every day. Uh, what's his name? Um, Grant Cardone, he has a book. It's, I don't know if it's the 10X book, but he gives multiple examples of how kids are the greatest salesmen because they're relentless. They won't let you say no. They won't give up. Right. And that's one of the very, like, you know, early on, like, things you have to develop as a salesperson is persistence. Like, you guys got to do it the right way, right? But kids are persistent. They'll never give up until they get what they want. And, um, yeah. You're 100% right. So now you're you're here. The company's thriving. Um, what's your mission over there right now? Like, what's what's y'all's focus? Um, I mean, we're still in like hyper growth mode. Um, you know, as you're an entrepreneur, you start your business. 
like if you have a good why, like you have a really good chance to to make it as a doesn't matter if it's in a business or in your job. I've always had a strong why. Um, it's never been about money. It's always about taking care of my family, making sure all those people who supported me for the last 15 years, they supported me for a reason. You know, it wasn't somebody who was just going to give up. But now, you know, it's about, you know, we have a team here. We have W2 employees. Like it's important for us to grow our business to make sure our employees can take care of their families and live out their dreams as well. So your vision, your dream has to get bigger because your your vision and dream has to be big enough to fit everybody else's vision and dream in it. So um, we're excited. We want to keep growing. You know, obviously we want to add more people to the team, but um, it's about creating a, a better life for everybody who's involved because without them, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. I can't really think of any greater impact than, than that in the world, you know, cause I, I've said, I, you know, when I was younger, I always would be like, Oh, I want to do something that is related to, uh, you know, I want to, oh, I want to play music when I'm like 18 or something, or I want to do this, something creative. And I realized whenever you take a few steps back and you start going down this journey, it always typically comes back to, can I help people? And do I feel like I'm creatively engaged? You yeah. know, those are two of the big ones, you know, anyways. And, and am I enabling other people to have a life of their own that's better? Um, yeah, it's like, I think that's a, what's really important. As you become more successful, like, um, giving back is incredibly important because there's somebody just like you just starting out on the journey that you started. And if you think about, you know, what happens if somebody like you would have reached out and helped you 15 years ago or 20 years ago? And I was lucky. I had some really good people in my corner helping me out. So it's really I take it extremely personal and not only to help my team and support my family, but to be successful so I can give back in a way just like those people gave to me 20 years ago. So um you know, being successful, I feel like it's your your responsibility because you owe it to the next generation, you know, to help them just like how people helped you. I couldn't agree more. Something that I was thinking of that I was kind of curious about with, with Simply Noted, what's the strangest use case you've had for your oh, you don't even want to know. technology so far? It's really weird. We have people sending like cards to their, you know, people like they like their lovers in prison it's really interesting like breaking up with them like it's really interesting stuff <laughs> we tell people to say thank you we think this is a great service for building relationships and maintaining relationships so either acquiring you know new new clients so like starting a conversation booking an appointment or just saying thank you you know build that relationship increase lifetime value get more referrals get better reviews all that type of stuff but yeah there's been some really weird stuff we have tons of real estate agents who use us mortgage nonprofits but just say thank you I'm telling you, if you just say thank you with no strings attached, your business and your relationships are going to blossom, you know, for years to come versus looking for that quick win. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I've heard of other people doing like just talking about the power of the handwritten note too. Dale, have you heard of that guy, Dale Dupree? Um, he does like, he is, I don't know, it's kind of a cool, I, I always thought his was kind of cool. He would write it, write it out, and then he would like spill coffee on it. Or make it look amazing. He'd be like, "Yeah, this note went through hell and back just to get to you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And I was like, "I was like, man, like there's yeah. so much power in just doing something that makes somebody's." Because also, you just don't know what that entrepreneur or or that business owner is going through. They might yeah. be like, "I am having the worst day ever," <laughs> and it's just something that breaks up, you know, the mundanity of life for just just a quick second. Um, and I don't know. I just think there's so much power in that. I also think 
what you touched on in another episode that I, uh, some podcast I listened to a bunch of your podcasts before this, um, but you talked about nostalgia and the power of that. So is that something you're kind of you actively factor? Absolutely. So I, you know, I don't know how old you are. I just turned thirty five, but I grew up without a cell phone. I didn't get a cell phone until I was like seventeen. Yeah. And we all wrote handwritten notes and any, anybody my generation and older understands the power of pen and a pencil. Like in the nineties, that's what people did is they wrote things down and then the internet came around. So when you receive something in the mail, it is nostalgic. It, it brings you back. Right. And you were mentioning earlier, it's like, it's like, you don't know what that person's going through. I think the best way to build a relationship is face to face or sitting down with somebody and giving them your time. But when you can't give them your time, you know, at least you can give them the perception of your time, you know, a handwritten note. They perceive that you sat down and wrote them something. So, um, yeah, when somebody gets something that's in pen, on paper, there's nothing like that today. Everything is tracked and automated. Handwritten notes, the last thing that you could possibly think that can be automated. And I think, you know, we it may be more mainstream in the next few years, but we're ahead of it. Um, you know, I'm hoping maybe potentially one of these bigger players will buy us out and they integrate us into their, their platform or service. But yeah, um, yeah it's I just really see that happening because like yeah. this is something that, yeah, I, I've because I've researched it before and I've always been pretty underwhelmed with the, you know, the it almost makes it worse in a way when you can tell that it was a, a printed handwritten note. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this it does. Is, yeah, I was like, this is so cool. It's the real deal. And yeah. yeah, growing up, I mean, I have such a soft spot. I'm 29 and, you know, we were, <laughs> we were always, we were still passing notes or whatever it was. We would send literal, like we, my mom would, I don't know if your mom would ever be like, all right, you got to write out your invitations for your birthday and stuff like that. You know, uh, it brings you back. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, awesome. It does. Cool, man. Um, I'm glad we got to talk. I, I really appreciate you making the time to, to do this and, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I was really excited beforehand and um, I'm glad we got to dive into some stuff. Um, usually to kind of wrap up, I like to wonder uh, about what is the best part of what you, what you do? I, uh, I'm always curious about that question. Well, on the business side, I mean, we are creating something new every day. So it's definitely not boring, you know, from new software on the website to new adaptations or, or capabilities for our writing robots. So it definitely keeps you on the edge of your seat. But also, you know, this is, you know, a platform and a product that people really enjoy to use. So, you know, when we're having those bad days or bad weeks, knowing that, you know, I get phone calls or text messages from our clients just talking about how much they love or using our service, that really helps, um, you know, me push through those hard days. So that appreciation, knowing that we're solving a real problem and that handwritten notes are making a real difference, you know, that really helps, you know, push, you know, this forward. Absolutely, man. It, it, I mean, it really does. Like what I what I heard. Yeah. I'm sure you've been getting an overwhelming response similar to mine, and uh, I'm just happy for your success. I uh, thank I you. Seeing where simply noted goes. Um, the other thing I wanted, I guess, to follow up with too is where can people keep up with you? You told me earlier you've done 160 podcasts over the last year. Yeah. How can people? Yeah, keep. Keep up to date. Yeah. Yeah. Just go to .com. Um, you can Anybody can request a free sample kit. Just go to simplynoted.com and on the homepage, top right hand corner, and you can get a free sample. But on LinkedIn, very, I'm very active on LinkedIn. It's my only social media that I use. And just connect with me there, send me a message if you have any questions. I usually respond within like one or two hours. Um, just really depends on my day, but I'd be happy to connect with anybody on LinkedIn. Right on. Well, thanks, Rick. Thank you so much, Blake. It's great to be here.
Yeah, great to great to get the chat. Everybody, this was the Gym Series. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Gym Series, where we're always here to share the goals, execution, and mindset of thought leaders around the world. If you're listening to this, I'm sure that you have some pretty big goals for yourself, and I would absolutely love to hear them. Actually, here at Rocket Level, we just launched our newest partnership program, where the goal is to, uh, well, build a relationship with you guys. I want to talk with all of you coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. This program is going to be providing free sales and marketing training, giving you access to a massive network of small businesses, and even paying you to allow us to handle the fulfillment side of things. Over the last 20 years, uh, we've been able to learn a lot about how to handle digital marketing for a you know small business. And frankly, we want to pass that along. After working with business coaches and consultants all over the world, we decided let's make it formal. Let's make this thing happen. So if you're at all curious, check out the links attached and please reach out directly. I would love to meet you all. Remember, I'm always a email, text, phone call or DM away. Everybody remember to be awesome and do awesome things. A whole lot more coming soon. Take care.